The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It is 2.05 on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Well, just me today. Andrew is away all week. It's Jalen Nye and you, Chadville, for the next uh, four and a half hours. Uh, we'll turn things over a little bit early today as your Edmonton Oilers take on the Blues. City Ford Faceoff show gets underway at 4.30. Puck drop at 6 o'clock. Uh, how was your drive to work today? was a little sketchy. Um, I was lucky I came in a little later, around 9.30 today, and it wasn't too bad, although the road out of my place, way out in the boonies, was... uh it was rather rather treacherous, but um, you know, once got onto the to the white mud, that sort of stuff wasn't too bad. But I know the drive for a lot of you was really really difficult, and we'll all get through the drive home this afternoon together as well, and we'll keep you updated. Um, and just a reminder, you've been hearing it on the six thirty Ched News with Cassandra that a first seasonal parking ban of the winter is going to go in effect at uh, one a.m. as uh, city crews work to clear the snow from all that snow on the weekend. Well, was there a talk of 20 to 30 centimeters in uh, some uh, in some spots? So uh, the city roads in pretty rough shape between noon yesterday and 8 a.m. this morning. There were 88 collisions reported to city police, 14 hit and runs, one injury collision, and 73 property damage related crashes. So take it easy on the way home today. Make sure you brush off all the snow off your car. Make sure your lights are on. Uh, and let's give everybody some space and make sure that everyone gets home safe and sound on the show today. Uh, it's Monday, so we will get a check-in uh, from 6.30. Ched Santa's anonymous head elf, Lana Nordland. She'll join us at 3.35. Want to give you some more details on that auction that we have coming up on Thursday. Some incredible uh, prize packages for you to bid on, so we'll get to that at 3.30. Just after 3 o'clock, uh, David Phillips, senior climatologist with Environment Canada, one of our favorite guests on this show. He's working on his list. Le- of the top 10 weather stories so we'll go over some of them he's not going to give them all away right uh, right now but we'll talk with him always a fun conversation there and then of course this we're going to be talking about oil for about the next hour and and you know we've been talking about it you have heard about it uh, since last night Premier Rachel Notley ordering that mandatory cut in oil production uh, she says it's all to deal with that price crisis that's costing she says about 80 million dollars a day. Over many years, successive governments in Ottawa have failed to build new pipelines. This is now resulting in a historically low price for the oil produced here in Alberta. We are giving it away for next to nothing. This is hurting jobs and could hurt Alberta's economic recovery. In the short term, we are therefore curtailing production to raise the price and protect jobs. In the medium term, we are buying new rail cars to clear the backlog, keep it cleared, and stabilize the market. But my fellow Albertans, if we are going to solve this problem once and for all, the low price era must end, and a high value era must begin. We have to diversify our energy sector, open new markets, and get more value and more jobs from the resources that we all own and will give to our children. We face a difficult challenge, but I can promise you that in confronting this challenge, we will draw on the best traditions of our province and on the values that we share, compassion, community, 
and the recognition that at the end of the day, we are all in this together. Those values built this province and they keep us moving forward. Let me assure you, we will never back down in our fight to protect our jobs, our resources and our province. And I will never stop fighting for Alberta, fighting for Canada and fighting for you. Thank you and good night. So that was Premier Notley speaking on television last night, talking about that mandatory cut in oil production. And this is what it's going to look like. So as of January 1st, there's going to be an 8.7% reduction ordered. So output of raw crude oil and bitumen will be reduced by 325,000 barrels a day, which is expected to shrink that glut of oil in storage. Uh, the cuts will end December 31st, 2019, and they're going to be spread out among all of the producers in an effort to stave off uh, massive job losses, um, except those that uh, put out less than 10,000 uh, barrels a day. Now, as you heard, the Premier says the action is necessary to reverse that widening price differential. Uh, she's saying that could cause more harm to the economy if not addressed uh, immediately. So when you look at those numbers, uh, Alberta's oil selling at, uh, you know, really markedly lower rates compared with the North American benchmark, doing part to that oil pipeline bottleneck that uh, we've been talking about. Uh, Notley said the, the, the rest of the world selling its oil at about $50 a barrel. We're getting only about 10 and that announcement is expected to narrow the differential by at least $4 a barrel and add an estimated $1.1 billion to government revenues in 2019-2020. While Economic Development and Trade Minister Darren Billius uh, this morning on the Jesperson sa uh, show said it was, uh, it was a tough decision to make. This is not a decision that can be taken lightly. Now, you know, I appreciate uh, the opposition saying, well, you should have done this earlier. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, Jason Kenney changed his mind three different times. Uh, first, it was voluntary. Then it was no mandatory uh, before it was market, leave the market alone. The reality is that as government uh, making this decision, we cannot just change our mind in a week or two from now. And it has significant consequences. So we've been engaging with industry on this conversation. Uh, but uh, again, we had to take that decision very, very carefully. And so uh, that's why last night uh, Premier addressed uh, the province and the country uh, saying that action is needed and uh, we've, we've come to the decision of, uh, of reducing uh, Alberta's production by 8.7%. As you mentioned, 325,000 barrels for the first three months uh, and then likely uh, we will, uh, because the storage will have been drawn down, that will drop to about 95,000 barrels a day uh, from, uh, from March through to December. And of course, last week, the province announced it's going to buy as many as uh, 80 uh, locomotives and 7,000 rail tankers. Uh, of course, that's going to cost millions of dollars uh, to move the province's excess oil to markets. Now, the opposition United Conservatives and the centrist Alberta Party had already called for the production cut. Uh, Notley thanked them both in her speech today uh, when Kenny was asked if, if he thought it would hamper investment in the province. I don't think so. Those companies, there's only three. Uh, look, there, there's uh, about 15 producers in Alberta that produce more than 25,000 barrels per day. Uh, and all of them supported this uh, cut in, in production, uh, except for three vertically integrated producers like uh, Suncor Imperial and, uh, um, and Husky. And if, in, a, in a couple of instances, 
that for them, the cheaper the feedstock, the better. Uh, they're able to send that down to the U.S. to their refineries and make a huge markup on it, which is fine. You know, they're just responding to market incentives. I totally get that. They're, they're, they were acting in the best interest of their shareholders. But but there is a player in the oil markets that we forget about, and it's called the people of Alberta. They own the oil. And the government acting on their behalf has not just a right, but a responsibility to make sure we get something for that oil. And, you know, uh, Ryan, I've talked to um, some of the most uh, pro-market uh, people, guys who are on the board of the Fraser Institute and uh, who who have been the most pro-market champions of the energy industry from day one, and they were all calling for the government to step in and, and limit production because otherwise this could have been, well, one of them called it oil Oilmageddon. Oilmageddon at 2.14. Now, uh, the federal conservative leader, Andrew Scheer, uh, laying the blame uh, on Justin Trudeau's uh, feet and the current Liberal government's stance on pipelines for the current situation. Scheer, Kenny, Premier Notley, all calling on the Trudeau government for action. I've heard from quite a number of Albertans last night and into this morning. Uh, we are in a crisis, a crisis that is not of our making, uh, but it is up to us to fix. Yep. People are frustrated uh, that failure after failure of successive federal governments to get pipelines have put us into this position. People are worried about the future, and people want to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that's what we're all here to do, to deal with. So despite that anxiety, Albertans know that extraordinary times call for decisive action, uh, like what we did last night. And I'd like also to once again offer my thanks to other parties in the legislature uh, for keeping partisan politics to a minimum um, and uh, for supporting, uh, in large part, the action that we took last night. This is a time for unity and for resolve. And I especially want to stress this to Ottawa. We need them to uh, toss the half-hearted statements uh, away. We don't actually need Ottawa's sympathy. We need Ottawa's full attention. We need them to step up and help us bring an, an end to this crisis. We need uh, Ottawa to fix Bill C-69, fix the tanker bane, and join us in getting more energy resources moved by rail. We need action from the federal government. Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau came out here uh, 10 days ago, patted us on the head, said he felt our pain and went back to Ottawa while doing precisely nothing. You know, he could do some things that don't cost the federal treasury a dime that would breathe some hope into the, the third largest industry in Canada, the largest export industry, the largest source of wealth that is shared across the country through equalization. That's Alberta's oil and gas industry. He could have announced that he is withdrawing his No More Pipelines bill, uh, Bill C-69, will make it impossible to build another pipeline, that he would be withdrawing Bill C-48, the Northern BC tanker ban. He could have announced that he's pulling back the regulations he imposed on up and downstream emissions that killed Energy East, that he's re-reversing his veto of the Northern Gateway Pipeline and inviting Enbridge to come back to the table to build that. He could have said that the B.C. government continues to obstruct Trans Mountain, that he's going to withhold discretionary transfers from that government in Victoria. I mean, these are some... So he could have announced he's appealing the Trans Mountain decision of the Federal Appeals Court to the Supreme Court of Canada and accelerating the consultations for round two on that. I mean, there's, there's a series of things. He didn't do a single one of them. In fact, what he's doing is kicking the industry while it's down.
And, and um, you know, he, he never, by the way, all of the attention to the Oshawa GM plant, I understand. We feel badly for those guys. But um, why? The, Justin Trudeau is not imposing a carbon emissions uh, uh, regulation on the construction of cars in Ontario. Guess what? Unlike pipelines, those cars actually do produce CO2. So that the, he's subsidizing Bombardier that has no limitations on its CO2 emissions for the airplanes it builds with our with our tax dollars. But he wants to, to regulate out of business pipelines that don't actually burn carbon where his subsidized airplanes do. I think Albertans are sick of this hypocrisy. And that's why it's not unreasonable that we put on the table issues like equalization, demanding reform. If the other parts of the country want to benefit from Alberta's wealth, then they darn well better let us develop that wealth. And that was uh, Jason Kenney, Premier Notley, uh, talking about, uh, well, calling on the uh, the uh, federal government to do something about the, the oil, the situation that the uh, oil patch is, is facing right now. Uh, we'll take a break here at 218. When we come back, we'll dial up Lori Williams. She is a political science professor at Mount Royal University. Get her take on what's happened. All right, it's 222. As we've been telling you, the Premier has ordered a mandatory cut in oil production to take a closer look at this and get her reaction. We're joined by Lori Williams, uh, Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. Lori, thanks for joining us. Always my pleasure, Jim. Now, now, first off, your thoughts on what you heard last night. Uh, well, I think it was quite a decisive move on the part of the Premier. Uh, she indicated clearly at the beginning that there was no consensus, that some supported the cuts in production and others did not. Um, she said that she is the government, has to make a decision for what's best for Alberta, and that uh, that message came through loud and clear. And uh, we're seeing mixed reaction from the industry and from analysts today, but the markets clearly like this decision. <laughs> Do you think um, there was no other choice at this point, Lori? Yeah, something had to be done, absolutely, because the only other options that are on the table are uh, rail cars. They can't come online until late 2019. Mm. <clears throat> and the pipeline, um, you know, who knows exactly when that's going to be, but that's the longer-term goal. There's got to be something done between between here and there. Obviously, I think this decision made easier by the fact that uh, UCP leader Jason Kenney and Alberta Party leader uh, Stephen Mandel both calling for these mandatory cuts as well. Uh, it mm-hmm. wasn't a go-it-alone sort of thing. No, not at all. Um, there were differences of opinion as to what the, the exemption should be at $10,000, um, up to 10,000 barrel exemption, and that basically benefits the smaller producers. Um, Jason Kenney proposed 25000 so that there would be a little bit more room to play for, for those who might be hurt at the smaller end of things. Uh, but generally, that consensus was there. They recognized that whatever their political differences, they are all doing what they think is best for Alberta, and they, they came together on that. And I think Albertans like to see that. I was just going to say, you know what, it's nice to see. It's nice to see, because, uh, well, despite that, they're still throwing barbs back and forth on timelines and this sort of thing and that. But it is still nice to see that they've come together for the common uh, cause, the common good in this case, which is something that is just hammering Alberta right now. Yeah, and it is good that they're able to do that, set aside their differences. And, and they're not just saying we agree. They're, mm-hmm. they're actually um, expressing appreciation for mm-hmm. one another. I mean, that's a rarity, and, and <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's appreciated by, by most Albertans, I would say. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Premier's leadership on, on the energy file uh, this year? Well, she's been t- dealt a very, very, very tough hand um, and has had a, a somewhat recalcitrant federal government to deal with. 
So you recall, right from the beginning of 2018, uh, she was on the, the campaign trail, almost uh, crossing the country, um, getting in the news as often as possible to raise uh, awareness for all Canadians about the importance of the pipeline, the balance between the economy and the environment, and the economic benefits, not just for Alberta, but for the entire country, of getting that, that pipeline built. Uh, Largely, I think, as a result of her efforts, we saw a significant increase in support for pipelines across the country. And even though it looked like the federal government wasn't going to cooperate, she pushed and pushed and pushed, and ultimately the federal government purchased the pipeline, as we saw. Um, I think a lot of people are hoping that the, the current sort of apparent resistance on the part of the federal government will yield something as, as helpful um, in the short and the long term uh, in this particular case, but it's very difficult. I mean, the, the, the sympathies and the we're talking um, statements are, are not particularly comforting, and there's just a sense of urgency in Alberta, and that had to be addressed. Rachel Notley, again, though, has been traveling the country, uh, not just advocating directly with the federal government, but also advocating for ordinary Canadians and helping them to understand the mutual benefits of the pipeline of uh, increased um, uh, access to markets for all of Canadians. You know what, Laurie, I find it hard to believe that the federal government, the prime minister, doesn't realize the state that the province is in and that the oil industry is in here and, and what that price per barrel is. And I just it just seems to me, um, I, I'm flabbergasted that more hasn't been done. On a, federal, the, on a federal government level. No, I, I understand. And, and I, I mean, we saw the reaction to Justin Trudeau last week, mm-hmm. and there is absolute fury at him, and it's quite understandable. I mean, he presumably isn't completely tone deaf. He presumably understands that it's a big problem and is working on, on something that will strike some kind of balance that will uh, enable the federal government to sort of look like it's standing up for all of Canada, but also responding to mm. the very dire circumstances that Alberta finds itself in. But it is difficult to understand why it's taking so long. Mm-hmm. Countdown is on, really, to a provincial election. How do you think this move is going to play out as we lead into that? Well, I think it, it certainly helps Rachel Notley, but arguably it also helps Jason Kenney and mm-hmm. Stephen Mandel because they're, they've all basically taken the same position. That said, though, Rachel Notley's been the one who's been advocating for it across the country, and um, Jason Kenney initially seemed a bit reluctant, saying that market mechanisms ought to be trusted, uh, and Rachel Notley, and you know the company should work together on this, and Rachel Notley sort of pointed out uh, that's illegal. So he looked like he got caught a bit flat-footed on that, so I think she's probably in a slightly better position, partly because she's the government and she's the one who actually has the ability to get to get the attention to make the the, uh, the connections across the country to try and get support. But she's also in a somewhat weaker position uh, with respect to working with some of the provinces um, that are conservative. So, for example, um, some people are wondering about whether Saskatchewan will benefit from the cuts here and be able to maintain production there. I mean, they've got all different dynamics for a variety of reasons, readier access to U.S. markets for starters. But um, it, it certainly would look better for her if she were able to, to um, build a coalition with, with uh, other premiers. That's just a tougher thing for her to manage right now. So I would say she certainly um, impressed a lot of Albertans. Uh, over the last, well, the entire year, I would say so far, but particularly in, the, in this very decisive move that is going to annoy um, and, and alienate perhaps even some of the bigger producers in, mm. 
in Alberta. That that decisiveness seems to have really impressed a lot of people, not just within Alberta, but uh, outside of Alberta as well. Lori Williams, political scientist from Mount Royal University, joining us this afternoon. Thanks for your time, Lori. Oh, my pleasure, Julie. Take care now. It's uh, 2.29 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. We'll continue the oil conversation with Markham Hislop from Energy News right after this. The 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chet.